Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 64 of Get Out of Rap. And today I'm joined by fellow Spurs fanatic, Mark Conway, who is the MD and founder of CCP recruitment. Uh, Mark, I'm sure, like me, is well known. I've, I've known you um, and seen you in the industry, a real keen supporter of um, contact centres and obviously an SME in recruitment. Mark, thanks very much for coming on Get Out of Rap. You're very welcome. No, I'm delighted to be here. Although I'm not sure introducing me as a fellow Spurs fan is necessarily a positive thing, but regardless, it's always, I'm happy to it's be always here. positive. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, always positive. I, I'm not sure. I might be, I might be corrected, but I don't think I've had an, an Arsenal fan on as a guest. That tactical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That tactical. Yeah, I've, I've got to be careful because we could just talk about we could talk about Tottenham for the entire entire the yeah. entire podcast, couldn't we? And um, yeah, it probably turns off as many people as it. Um, Attracts for sure. I think it would turn me off to be honest with you. So, no, I think let's stick to the task at hand. Exactly. Well, look, thanks very much for coming on. We sp- I've spoken about trying to get you on for for a while. Um, good opening question. Everyone was always really interested in this. How have you got to where you are today? Can you just talk a potted sure. history? Yeah. So, um, when I left school, I worked in finance for a few years. So I worked in banking. So, I used to work. Uh, up in the city in London and Canary Wharf as well. I fell into that, to be honest with you, as my father's an accountant, my brother's a stockbroker. Um, and then I was actually made redundant for my role at Deutsche Bank when I went to football training that evening and bumped into Lloyd, who coincidentally works for me now. Um, and Lloyd introduced me to recruitment. Um, and within a week, I was doing medical recruitment, which I did for a little while. Um, I didn't fall in love with the industry, but I fell in love with recruitment specifically. And then over a few years, uh, and one failed uh, attempt at running my own business as well during that time, um, I then landed a gig again through Lloyd. You, there's a, a bit of a, um, a path here. Um, within uh, CCA, Call Centre Associates, as they were then known, um, where I worked for a few years as a consultant, placing senior people into contact centres. Um, wasn't massively sold on the industry at first. I was a bit confused by it all and it didn't really appeal to me that much, if I'm totally honest. Um, but once I was in, I was absolutely all in. Um, and then obviously worked there for a few years and then and then set the business up in 2010. Um, so yeah, had the business 11 years, uh, five years on my own. The first six years with my former business partner and good friend, Darren, who's at Pact Recruit, who, funny enough, I spoke to this morning about something. So we still speak regularly. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a bit of a journey, but I can't quite believe I've been recruiting within this industry for nearly 15 years and I obviously had the business for 11 years now as well. It's just, it's just crazy how time flies. Just want to unpack the, something there around, um, cause it's really interesting. The, uh, that first initial reaction to our industry and that maybe you weren't as enamored with it and 
it, it confused you. What, what do you mean? What was it? Well, I think if you think back to 2010, contact centers or customer contact was very different to what it is today. And I was encouraged to go to this interview, obviously within recruitment, which I, I, I knew I was good at, I'd done it before. Um, and I was quite open to going, but the question I vividly remember, a guy called Ryan, who again, I still know, um, he said to me, what's the first, in the very first question in the interview was, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a call center? And my response, was India because at the time that was a you know that was a, a period of time where people were constantly getting bombarded with outbound calls for upgrading your mobile phone or insurances yeah. or whatever it might be and so there was a pretty negative kind of uh, connotation about contact centers as a whole they weren't viewed positively there was no real talk of customer engagement or customer experience and the evolution I've seen within the industry since I got involved with it is, is significant um, um, but my love for it kind of started very quickly on my journey, probably within the first few weeks. Um, I just love the people um, and I consider myself to be a people person and therefore I kind of became fully immersed in this world. Um, and it's just quite unbelievable that it's, it's been as long as it has and it's gone as quick as it has. It's crazy. And, you know, during that period, I've obviously set my own business up. Um, I've had a family. Um, I've met my wife who used to work in a contact centre. Um, and that I met her through work invariably um, at the professional planning forum conference in Brighton. So she's not from London, she's from Glasgow. So my life has kind of has been created as a direct consequence of working in this industry. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I love it. Um, it's been an interesting year over the last year, the most interesting year to date, but certainly um, I love the no two clients are the same, no two candidates are the same. And I think that, having recruited in other industries historically where you are relevant or not relevant for a role based purely on skill set. I love how important culture and personality is in the work that we do because that makes it so much better that we are able to communicate so openly and effectively with all these different candidates to really try and understand who they are as an individual. You get to know the person behind the CV. Um, and then obviously you're able to establish who's the right fit for what role based not just on skill set but actually based on personality but but yeah it's my, my first my initial response to contact centers was one of negativity being totally honest but I was very wrong and the evolution within our industry over the last 10 years has been significant I love that you found you found a family wife your life everything all through all through this industry that's amazing well, it's crazy. And, and actually, if you speak to Lloyd, he'd say all through him, to be honest with you, because he got me my first job in recruitment through, as I say, bumping into him at football training. He actually placed me at CCA when he worked as a rec to rec consultant, which obviously got me into the industry. Um, and as I say, invariably, is how I ended up meeting my other half. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a crazy journey. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. And I, I, there's a couple of things there from what you said that I find really interesting is firstly that the evolution um, and the more focus on customer experience, customer engagement. Um, is that something that you've, that you have to reflect in your recruitment or you look for when you're talking to candidates in terms of how aware they are of those two, those two things? Uh, I think more so now than ever. 
actually. It's become more prominent in what we do and how we do it. I think that if my throughout my career, specifically recruiting into contact centers, there's been a number of changes with specifically within the industry or within the economy that have impacted how businesses operate their contact center operations. So if you think back to 2007, when I first started, at that point, service centers were still very much viewed as a cost center. Um, and a lot of businesses at that time were starting to invest in bringing their operations back in-house because they were aware that their customers weren't overly uh, enamored by the fact that they were communicating with people from overseas who maybe didn't understand the, the language or the, the requirements that they had. And then obviously in 2008, the, um, the, the kind of economy crashed. And as a consequence, everyone started outsourcing overseas again and everyone started pummeling money into outbound sales to try and generate revenue and income. And so I've seen so many different changes over the course of the last year, over the last 10 years rather, but particularly in the last year, obviously as a consequence of the pandemic, I've seen the most strategic changes ever, um, which have been forced upon a lot of businesses. There were those businesses that were really strong when it came to employee and, and, and kind of customer engagement, but actually those who weren't got showed up very quickly in the last 12 months and as a consequence there's been so much change that's why as much as it's been a quite stressful year it's also been quite an exciting year to see how much evolution is the word you used has, has occurred in such a short space of time within so many organizations but yeah customer experience wasn't that wasn't a phrase I'd ever even heard of 11 years 12 years ago when I even when I started CCP in 2010 that wasn't anything that that anyone ever referred to you know you think of cca where i used to work they were call center associates because at that time it was a call center then when i set the business up with darren in 2010 we called it contact center partners because at that time people were stopping calling them call centers that was considered negative they were then contact centers and if you think about again now kind of a decade on it's now customer contact or multi-channel omni-channel operations that we're recruiting for so you know, a lot has changed. Technology has driven a lot of that change, but actually I think mindset has driven that change as well. Um, and it's been an exciting journey. I think so many people have grown during that period, not just me and our business, but the clients that we place, the candidates we place rather, the clients that we, we support. There's just, unlike a lot of other industries, our industry is constantly evolving. And so it's, it's always exciting to find out what different clients are doing at any one time. And and it's great to support candidates on that journey through their career as they kind of develop and, uh, and kind of essentially move up the food chain. That's great. The other thing um, that you mentioned previously as well that was interesting was how one of the things that um, you loved was that how candidates were recruited was based around, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said it was more about their behaviours and culture. Mm. And I guess because you've seen other industries as well is it it's unique in our industry or is it it's very unique prevalent? it's really unique so if you think i've got friends who work in it recruitment and specifically you have a skill or you don't and therefore you are or you are not right for a role uh, within medical as i say i'm going back a bit now but you either have a qualification or you do not and therefore you are right or wrong for a position within our industry i could receive a cv from candidate a who's a head of customer services and then i could receive a candidate uh, candidate b cv and effectively on paper they look identical but then when you engage with them they are totally different in terms of their personality their culture the way in which they operate 
And as a consequence, one of those might be totally irrelevant for a client that I'm recruiting for who is looking for a head of service, but the other one might be absolutely on the money. And the only way you would know that is by, well, immersing yourself in the client that you're recruiting for so that you effectively become an extension of their brand. So you understand what, what would be right for them, but equally having in-depth detailed conversations with candidates beyond just a quick two minute CV review, because that's just, anyone could do that. You know, that, that CV matching, that's, you know, we, we, we wouldn't get paid for, to do that. Um, so yeah, I think for us, I think that's the part of the job that not just myself, but people who work here and have historically worked here love about not just what we do, but our industry as a whole is that it's really people focused. You know, it's not just CV matching. Even at advisor level, you would assume that when clients are recruiting on mass, on volume, they would therefore just not really care about the quality of the candidate or their their profile fitting the the brand or the or the culture. But actually, at that level of the market, it's just as important, sometimes if not more important, because those are the individuals that are directly yeah. engaging with their customers. So, so yeah, for us, it's it's really about getting under the skin of an individual. And you know, we've got candidates that I've worked with for over you know 14 15 years whatever it's been they're friends now like I know them kind of yeah. inside out we've been invited to weddings we've you know I've I've placed people who have met their partner and got married and had kids in the role so kind of we're an important part <laughs> the godfather well not quite but um we're an important part potentially in people's lives we we, we yeah. create a uh, an opportunity for them to connect and you know careers are incredibly important for people and and I think we we take it very seriously that actually we're not just and we've always done this. We're not just here to generate a fee. You know, we don't look at a candidate as a number. We look at every individual as an individual and we try and support them on their journey in their career. And we try and support our clients to achieve their goals, whatever they might be, by finding them the best people possible. I love that. Love to hear that. And I also love what you said there um, around clients or you really understanding clients' culture, because I think one of the things that um, you can hear a lot of is a company value, company culture. When people say, well, it's more than just words on a wall, what you're talking about is an actual embodiment of some of that being tangible, right? So um, you will talk to clients about the, a good cultural fit and what that means. That, I think that's actually really reassuring to hear. Do you know what, Martin? We were talking about this the other day in the office. The whole world's gone online. So effectively, although you can see I'm in the office, like most people are still working remotely. Um, and they're recruiting remotely. And the reality is that moving forward, when we get back to whatever normal is, meetings that would have normally taken place face-to-face will probably now also happen remotely. And actually, sometimes the best way of understanding a business is by going in and seeing it with your own eyes and you cannot see that behind a video screen so getting a tour of a contact center having a walk around listening to some calls meeting some of the staff that's how you really kind of you know as i say immerse yourself into the brand the biggest compliment we can get which we've had multiple times is that candidates we place not so much at a senior level but certainly at an advisor and team mid level they wrongly presume that we actually work for the brand that we're recruiting for and we had one occasion where actually the candidate that one of my former colleagues placed actually went looking for her on day one in his job to thank her for getting in the job not realizing that we weren't actually their employees on site working for them so yeah for for me it's it's all about um it's all about relationships it always has been 
it's all about long-term relationships as well not just quick wins in life it's great to get a quick win but they don't benefit you long term um and and i think the the most important thing about our industry because it is so incestuous is that you deliver a good experience and a positive experience regardless of the outcome because um people remember and i'm very yeah. grateful and thankful that our our business has grown largely due to recommendation and referral and the reality is if we delivered a poor service or we were crap at what we did then no one would want to refer us or recommend us yeah exactly um you mentioned as well that i guess this isn't um a a shock but it'll be interesting to kind of explore this but that the last year year and a half has just been utterly crazy um what does that why what does that look like so well, uh, where, where do I start? That's, that's been, it has been a really interesting year. So if I back, go back to the end of 2019, so as a business, we had, um, from a financial perspective, we had our most successful year ever in the calendar year of 2019. And that is obviously just through organic growth and gaining mark, greater market share. A number of factors played a part. But So we were probably in the, in the best position we could have ever been in for something like what's happened to happen to survive it it has been a survival battle at times over the course of the last year quite frankly so if you backtrack to march last year we had probably somewhere between 80 and 100 vacancies on you know on at that time after we locked down um we went down to zero vacancies within two weeks of the national lockdown and i found myself in a position for the first time in over a decade where we had no work on and we decided that initially we were going to keep in contact with our candidates and clients for a couple of weeks try and you know generate some new business because we had no business and try and figure out what was going on and, and how we could adapt to what was happening but the reality is it became quite clear very early on the seriousness of what was happening and actually we made a conscious and strategic decision as a business that actually this was the wrong time to be driving people mad with, you know, calls about recruitment because the reality is that was, you know, that was the last thing anyone wanted to talk about. And so we just took a back step. And so we had the first month in 11 years where we didn't make a permanent placement because we didn't have any vacancies. Um, And we went through a period of about 10 to 12 weeks where literally it was like, the way I I explain it, it's like someone picked up the remote control and pressed pause. And there was nothing. And whilst I was having chats with people, as I always do, and people were reaching out to me to ask for opinions, and that's quite normal. But but in terms of actual genuine recruitment activity, there was nothing. Um, and that's quite nerve wracking for a, a you know a small business that has grown quite quickly and is quite well established. And suddenly you think, oh my god, like is that it? Um, but actually, the gift of time is quite precious and that's something I don't normally have a lot of when you've got a business and you're pretty hands-on and you've got young children like I have they're just there aren't enough hours in the day full stop so so it was really rare to be given an opportunity to have all this time where I didn't have an awful lot of work to do like I would normally do and so the first few months was like amazing in some ways because the weather was glorious which I, w- I wish it was the same this year yeah but, um, the weather was glorious I spent loads of time with my kids we've recently moved house and we've got a lovely garden so that's great and then once the novelty of that wore off after I don't know two or three weeks um I then uh switched back into work mode and I, I used that time 
positively and proactively. We rebranded to CCP from Contact Centre Partners, which was probably on the in the offing anyway, but I wouldn't have had necessarily the time to, yeah. to really kind of invest in it. We created a brand new website. We had a new marketing strategy, new marketing material, all this stuff that I would, or I've been wanting to do probably for a couple of years. I just didn't necessarily, I was always so busy. I never had the time to stop and think actually it gave me that opportunity so despite the fact that it was quite nerve-wracking and stressful it also created opportunity and it gave me the time to be proactive rather than the norm which is you know we are proactive as people but at the same time we, we have yeah. to be reactive sometimes Reality. to the market yeah. Wait, yeah so first few months were a bit crazy we returned to the office in june albeit with a smaller workforce um for social distancing and we hit the ground running like you wouldn't believe we we literally picked up very, very quickly. And I was thinking, well, that's it. Like we're back to normal. And we saw July and August be kind of normal in terms of workload, in terms of placements, in terms of billings. It was it was like, okay, well, that's it. We're kind of, and to be fair, I think everyone had that mindset last summer thinking yeah. it was over and we yeah. were going back to normal. And then obviously when the schools returned in September, it just collapsed. And I think at that point was the probably the lowest point because You'd reach that period where you thought yeah, you, you were coming out it. of it. And mm. I think everyone felt the same. The weather was turning, the the mood was turning. And it was just a real kind of, it, it was a real kind of negative time for a lot of people. And so I think at that time, I although we didn't go back that, like, to zero, it wasn't like a situation in March where we had nothing on. I used it as an opportunity to to look at what the business was and how it operated, look at the market conditions and the uncertainty um, and the volatility of the market and restructure the business to make it leaner to, um, you know, like you say, it's kind of, well, like I said earlier, it's survival mode at that point. Yeah. And, and actually what we've seen since we made it leaner and since we created those strategic changes to ensure it was here for the long term, what we've seen is the most ridiculous growth way beyond comprehension and particularly since November, which typically for us, under normal circumstances, it starts to quieten down into November and December with Christmas and New Year and people taking annual leave. Mid-November onwards, genuinely, it's gone bonkers. And I, I mean, I'm delighted to say that we, you know, we're now busier in terms of vacancy volumes than we were pre-pandemic although I don't have enough staff because of the changes we've made. So I'm now in a position where I'm aggressively expanding um, to get back to um, internal staffing levels to be able to support the volume of work that we're generating. I love how many people's green banners on their LinkedIn are suddenly yeah. disappearing. That's happening every day. I'm seeing it kind of, this one's got a new job, yeah. that one's got a new job. And all of these clients that we've worked with that have kind of parked up any plans to create anything meaningful in terms of change and now starting to uh you know go back to market and 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 these things are starting to push on so it's been a bit of a journey i'm not going to lie and it has been quite stressful at times but the reality is i think we're in a stronger position now coming out of it than we were going into it um and i was only having a conversation this morning about the fact that you know my mindset, rightly or wrongly, has been that when we recruit new people into my business, it will be to be based in my office. But I'm asking my question now, why? You know, why can't I recruit someone in a completely different part of the UK? Yeah. You know, you know, why? Why not? And so it's kind of it's quite it's uh, it's kind of opened our eyes a little bit to ways of working differently, which has happened to a lot of businesses, to be fair. Um, 
but it's, an, it's a really busy, really exciting time at the moment, but it's been one hell of a journey to get to this point. Um, and I feel like you learn at every point, you know, on, it's very easy to, to kind of grow a business and it just keeps going like that. But it's at those times when it becomes a bit more of a challenge, you really learn about yourself and you also learn about um, what, what is best practice and how, how do you create that kind of stability and I feel like the core nucleus of what we have is great, but now it's about kind of bringing in some really exciting talent that can help us expand again, because the market is absolutely there. Anyone, I keep saying this to candidates, anyone who's out of work at the moment should be quite excited because there's loads of opportunity. Loads of businesses are going through massive change and transformation programs, loads of start. I mean, we've generated more work from startup businesses in the last six months that have come to us because they're looking for our support. than we have probably three, four years before that, it's bizarre. Like it's suddenly the floodgates have opened. And I think that, you know, it's never ideal to be out of work. I appreciate that. But at the same time, for those people that are, I genuinely believe we're in a period of significant growth at the moment within our industry anyway. What a hopeful message. I feel really, really, uh, I'm buzzing. That's great. It's just, well, you know, it's just it's great one of those to hear. It's one of those situations, Martin, where you, the last year has been, you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, right? <laughs> yeah. So you genuinely don't. So, um, and as a consequence, it's really difficult to plan because how do you plan for the complete kind of unknown? Um, but I do believe we're on the way out now. And I think all the signs are suggesting that it's, there's, a, you know, the positive outcomes that are occurring at the moment are suggestive that it's coming to an end, hopefully. And um and yeah, the, the the kind of the recruitment market as we see it is incredibly buoyant, like seriously buoyant. And I think the other thing is me personally, I recruit senior level typically. Um, and it's like a domino effect at that level of the market. You know, if a director of service leaves an operation, then they need to replace that person. And effectively, that, that domino effect creates the movement across the market. And that's where the kind of incestuous nature of our market comes from to a certain extent. Everyone seems to know everyone. Um, and the reality is that because people were nervous and cautious about leaving their role, even if they wanted to, yeah. because it's a massive risk leaving a, a mm. safe role to expose yourself to the uncertainty of what was going on outside, um, no one was moving. And as a consequence, that lack of movement created a real lack of opportunity. But what I am seeing is those people, obviously, who are actively out of work are now securing work. But we're also seeing really frequently again now is those people who were in employment and in safe employment are now, you know, handing the notice in and taking new opportunities elsewhere, which again creates that yeah. domino effect of, of of kind of that evolution, if you like, of of opportunity for people. So yeah, no, genuinely, this isn't a sales pitch, genuinely, but the market is seriously busy at the moment to the point in which the guys here are working ridiculous hours and and we're expanding to just try and facilitate the volume of vacancies that we're generating and that's not us kind of hounding clients you know for jobs that mm. you know it's just it's just it's just gone bonkers it's good to hear it's great to hear um, i want to talk about people who um are still looking in a second but as you've just been talking about that kind of um the journey of the last year and a half one of the things that i wanted to ask you is like personally as a business owner, so you must have felt responsibility to not just your clients, candidates, but your employees and your family. Um, how have you, what tools or how have you coped 
what 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 have you you mentioned about learning from from this and you kind of took a took the time out to be more strategic and that's great to hear but what about you um personally uh, i think one thing that i've learned in the last year is actually and it's true to what you just said i've invested so much time and effort into other people and the business as an entity that actually i probably lacked the time and effort that i should have invested in myself truthfully um, mm. and that's something i'm looking to try and improve moving forward um because actually you know there is no business and there is no family and there you know if i'm not kind of fully invested in myself and, and actually creating time for myself because i think that's very easy to get sucked into this regime of just working at 100 miles an hour without really you know looking in the mirror and thinking what about you um mm. how's it made me change my outlook i think i think that i'm anyone who knows me will absolutely say this i i I've never been one shy to spend money on, on, on personal possessions, let's just say. Um, and I think it's made me actually realize the value of money more over the course of the last year, because it's very easy when you've got a business that's growing and growing and growing, then suddenly when the, you know, when it all kind of goes pop, you have to look at what you're doing and how you're doing. And actually the value of money has changed in my mind anyway. Um, and I think that my outlook is very different in that actually I, I'm now enjoying what I'm doing more truthfully. Not that I didn't enjoy it before, mm. but when you, when you run a business, I started, let me go back. I started as a recruiter. I set up a recruitment business because I was good at recruitment and I loved recruitment specifically within our industry. As the business evolved, I became a business owner and I ran a team of people that effectively recruited for me. And whilst I did recruit, I didn't recruit actively and not as much. Um, the last year I've been full on hands-on recruiting again and it's reminded me that actually that's the bit of the job that I love that's yeah. why I started the job in the first place um, and that kind of that buzz of helping someone get a job not the fee genuinely not the fee but the buzz of helping someone get a job has returned and I felt like that got lost somewhere along the way and yeah. effectively it did become a bit more transactional but now I'm kind of fully immersed in recruiting again. And I, I genuinely believe that as the business starts to grow again, I'm going to be much more involved in the day-to-day -day recruitment than I was pre-pandemic, going back to my roots, because that's the bit of the job that I love. And, and I think that the other stuff, I'll have to figure out how I'm going to get that done because there, there aren't enough hours in a day, as I mentioned. But certainly, I think it has made me reflect on my core values. It's made me realise that actually, some things are totally irrelevant in life when you consider the ramifications of what's happened to so many people over the course of the last year. And it's made me realize how important things like health and family and, and, and all the, the other good stuff is because you can lose sight of that sometimes when you're in a bit of a whirlwind, when you're working a hundred miles an hour and you don't really get time to stop, pause and reflect. Thanks for sharing that. I love those, I love those reflections. Um, and you could actually see the passion there when you were talking about um recruiting again you could you could kind of listen that's what i didn't set some people do set up businesses like mine because they're business people and they see it as an opportunity to generate money if i go back to when we started it wasn't just me it was darren as well we set the business up because we really liked what we did and we were good at what we did and i think that enthusiasm and that passion kind of fed into our staff that we employed and we we created this kind of great vibe in our office where we all loved what we did you know it's very easy when you 
you know, you work in a, effectively in a sales role to just get individuals who are totally money focused and have no interest in what it is that they're selling. But at the end of the day, we're selling people. Um, and, you know, these people have been very good to me. They've taken the people that I consider to be my friends within our network. You know, they're, they're people that have kind of have been on the journey with me over the last decade. Um, they're the ones I still speak to regularly. They're the ones that are, have been incredibly supportive over the last year. And, you know, it's it's very much that kind of industry where I feel like if you look after people, they look after you back. And um, and I'm hoping that most people that are watching this will think that at some point over the last however many years, if they've needed some help from me, then, they've, then you know, they've absolutely got it. And um, I'm sure they would definitely. Um, just for those people that are listening and they must be really pleased that, um, and they can see it themselves, like you say, LinkedIn is great. As you know, I kind of try and publicize uh, job seekers from my network um, with the hope that people will see them. And you can see that's already people are leaving that list, which is great. But what if you could share some tips around candidates what they could be doing better or stop doing or because you must see people and think are you why are you doing this or you need to be doing that so people that are looking for roles in our industry what would you say Mm. some of the tips i think that um the biggest piece of advice i would give anyone who's actively in the market at the moment is to engage with the right kind of people that can help them with their search So as great as LinkedIn is, and it is an amazing tool for people that are looking for work, just like it is for recruiters looking for people, potentially. The reality is it is is effectively a a networking site, but, you know, nothing replaces the relationship that you can genuinely have with a person. You know, you can't hide behind the screen and build a relationship properly, in my opinion. That goes back to what I said earlier about getting back out and seeing clients. Um, and I believe that it's not just myself there are other people that I would recommend who operate in the same there aren't that many of us but those that are there they're all reputable they're all very good at what they do and we've all got our own kind of I'm sure we've all got our own uh, things that we're you know we're really strong at but the reality is that they should be engaging with the people like myself who are able to support them with their search it's a very very difficult market to be in I think if all you're doing is applying for countless roles and receiving countless responses kind of automatic rejection it must be demoralizing quite frankly so i think the best thing to do to sell yourself is to forge relationships with people who can potentially open doors for you um and the other thing i would suggest which we've seen happen more and more which i think is understandable is bear in mind that as recruiters we are often at the mercy of our clients we can't help everyone all the time. It's impossible. Mm. It's physically impossible. Mm. And we've started to see in the last six months, quite a bit of recruit, recruiter hate coming back into the market. You know, they're disappointed, understandably, they haven't secured something or they haven't been put forward and they kind of tend to take it out on the recruiter. That is, in my opinion, really short-sighted. Don't get me wrong, if mm. someone's done something bad, yeah. then absolutely, I get it. But, but in the situation that we're in, sometimes we've been receiving like 500 applications for a role and we can only send half a dozen cvs to a client now don't get me wrong of those 500 applications there's probably only 50 that we would consider to be relevant but it's very difficult to shortlist five six people from 50 it used to be five six people from 10 12 people you know one in two potentially but now one in ten like the only way you can differentiate 
differentiate yourself to someone like me is by actually engaging with me. If I get to know yeah. who you are, then I'll know whether you're right or wrong for a client that I'm recruiting for. And so I genuinely believe that the best thing you can do is forge strong relationships with the people that can actually help you. Um, don't get me wrong, you should be applying for roles, obviously it's a given, but at the same time, don't get too demoralized if you get rejected, because like I've just said, there are hundreds of applications going in for every position. But for me, it's be positive, be proactive, and utilize your relationships within your network or, or expand your network to build new relationships that will benefit you. Because, you know, there's an illusion that at the moment, there's so many people out of work that clients are just doing all the recruitment themselves directly. That's wrong. Most of our clients cannot physically handle the volume of applications they're getting and therefore they're okay. engaging people like us to support them with it. Or there's confidential change and transformation programs going on either directly or indirectly because of COVID. You know, you need to be working with what I consider to be the experts. And, you know, I could use this as a sales pitch to say, speak to CCP will help you, but we don't have the manpower to help everyone. I would never claim that we do. We'll absolutely engage with everyone. Um, but there are a few people like ourselves that are there to help. Um, and they have, I've seen, obviously I keep an eye on the market. We're not the only ones. We're all experiencing a similar situation at the moment. There's a real surge in activity. So you just need to be at the front of the queue. And you know, you're, I know every, is it every week you send a, a, yeah. a post down on LinkedIn? That's great yeah. to market people's profiles. And, you know, and we did a, a piece earlier in the pandemic where we were promoting individuals' profiles um, just in case there was a client that, that saw someone that they liked the look of that they might want to engage with. But for us, I think the biggest tip I can give people is to is, is you should always be positive because otherwise mm. negativity breeds negativity and also engage with the right people that can help you. Ask for help. There's nothing wrong, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. No. Um, and if you are one of those people that is facing regular rejection, which unfortunately some people have been for you know an extended period of time now, you know, there's nothing wrong with bringing a recruiter and say, what, what am I doing wrong? You know, what, do I need to look at my CV? Do I need to look at my profile? Am I, am I uh, being uh, unrealistic with my expectations? Um, because the market hasn't changed that much. I will, I will add that. You know, when, when I get a candidate last week, Martin, he rang me up without naming names um, and said that he was interested in applying for a 60K contact centre manager role. Um, but also interested in applying for a uh, 160K general manager role that I was recruiting for, you have to look at it from our perspective thinking, well, how can you be right for both <laughs> of those roles? That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think people need to have realistic expectations about what they're trying to achieve, but work with the right people to try and help them. And if you do need help, I suppose this is the name, you know, if you need to talk or you need help, then just ask. Um, I, you know, well, I, I mean, great bits of advice there. If you, t if you think about that, relationships everything happens in relationships that's why we like this industry right so working on your relationships great advice and the other one that i think is weirdly overlooked because i i found this through um, linkedin but also doing this podcast or or whatever ask for help because genuinely i think 99 percent of people their automatic reaction is to say yes i'll help but weirdly, people think either it's a weakness to ask for help or that people won't help. And both of those things aren't true. It's certainly I've, I've found in my experience. As I say, it's the most lovely industry that people are genuinely, yeah. well, 99.9% .9 of the time, people are absolutely like, 
like amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I have no issue in ringing people up and asking them for help. I often do it with candidates and clients. There's no harm in doing that. And, you know, if there is a candidate who is struggling, then, you know, pick up the phone and ask. I'll always give genuine reasons. If someone's not right for something, we're not a recruiter business or we're not individuals who will say, you know, I'm really sorry you're not right, but not give any specific reasons because those reasons might help identify where they're going wrong that will potentially help them moving forward. For me, the most important thing is having a genuinely having realistic expectations, being positive because it's a tough time for a lot of people. You know, even the most successful people have, have struggled in the last year for one reason or another. Um, but we're now in a, in a period where I think that we're starting to come out of it. We, well, we're certainly seeing that from our end. So engage with the right people, build relationships. And if you need help, ask. Um, there's no harm in taking a backward step as well in order to move forwards because, you know, some people unfortunately will find themselves in that situation. But for me, you know, hating on people who give you bad news, which we've experienced a few times in the last few weeks and months, is not the way forward because that doesn't, that doesn't give us the impression that we, that we want to help you at the end of the day and no, support exactly. you moving forward. You know, we can't always give good news. We can't always tell people it's a yes. But what we can always do is engage and, and, and be, give responsible, you know, positive feedback as much as we can. Mark, this has been great. It's, it's really hopeful. It's really warming, actually, to hear, hear about the market, hear about your um, personal journey. And also those, those tips, I think, are, are really important. So, Mark, thanks very much for coming on. Um, You're very welcome. Let's be hopeful about Pochettino as well, shall we? <laughs> Fingers crossed, though. Fingers crossed. Coins. <laughs> Absolutely. Every day. Mark, thank you. You're welcome, mate. Keep well. Do you know how many files your employees have uploaded, downloaded, emailed, airdropped, slacked, or shared via Google Drive today? A lot of that data has left your organization, and you don't even know it. Visit Code42.com to learn how Insider prevents data exfiltration. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank.